to thee, oh, to thee, we have a podcast. <laughs> uh, what's going on? Nice try there. Nice try. Swinging. Go with the easy one. Something wicked this way comes. So That's we, the opening line to all our podcasts from now um, on. <laughs> something wicked this way comes. <laughs> so we just got done watching the tragedy of Shake of Macbeth. And He's Scottish. The, yeah, and Scottish Macbeth. Yeah. Um. Yeah. All right. Let's first impressions. Uh, it was a tragedy of Macbeth. Um, it was well, you know, it was directed, produced, and written by Joel Cohen of the Cohen Brothers. Yeah. His first venture well, without actually, Ethan. Actually, um, interestingly enough, uh, Joel Cohen was able to score this uh, writer uh, Shakespeare. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He was able to score a little known up and coming yeah. uh, screenwriter. Yeah, <laughs> Shakespeare. <laughs> this is his first venture without uh, Ethan Cohen. His brother. You know. I'm sure yeah. a lot of people listening are probably familiar with Cohen brother films, like the most famous being uh, No Country for Old Men, um, the Burn After Basque. Reading, um, you know, films like that. Um, they're always like I like how you described it um, when we we're watching this. You're like it's kind of like people like stumble into it's like bu- it's like bumbling fate. Yeah, <laughs> like you like kind of stumble into like you know murder, mayhem, madness. Like and it is very like yeah like uh, I was th- saying a lot of Cohen Brothers the themes is like very fatalist. You know it's like like fate kind of like stumbles you stumble into fate you know like for example like no country for old men like he kind of just stumbles into like you know the the standoff that had gone awry and finds the money and then you know story unfolds from there and i think it's interesting that they chose to do this Macbeth um story because I think a lot of this is kind of like, you know, the I prophecy mean, the, wait, wait, kind of quick, stumbling even into back fate. To, even back to No Country for Old Men, the mm-hmm. way Anton Ch- Chigurh dies mm-hmm. at the end is like one of the, I, it's like one of my favorite scenes of all time. It's he like, doesn't die. Well, he, okay, well, he gets like heavily injured. He's maimed, yeah. He's like maimed. And then but, he goes up to the kid and he's like, how much for your shirt? And he's like, I'll give you a hundred dollars for it. <laughs> yeah. And you know, it's just like kind of. he walks off. Yeah. yeah, but like you see him as like this guy who's like this big dangerous guy. And then literally he could just get into a car accident. Mm-hmm. And, you yeah. know, yeah, it's just, you know. It is, it's like, yeah, it's fatalist. And it's kind of like you, you stumble, one stumbles into fate, you know. And so I think it's interesting that they chose to do an adaptation of Macbeth, which is kind of like itself a story of, you know, fatalism. And, you know, one stumbling their way into prophecy and then that prophecy leading to like murder and then one's own demise, you know, which is like essentially what Macbeth is and a lot of Coen brother films. So this one uh, stars Denzel Washington in the titular role. Denzel. And uh, of course, Frances McDermott, who's in many Coen brother films, well, plays she's Lady mar- Macbeth. I think she's married to Joel Coen. Oh, is she? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, she plays uh, so, Lady Macbeth in this one. Let's let's talk about the obvious thing here first. Sure. All right, probably the most glaring thing to the average movie watcher. Mm-hmm. If you're not familiar with Shakespeare. Oh boy, let me tell you, you're gonna you're gonna have a rough time. You're gonna have a oh, rough yeah. time. I I just feel like that's like probably the most important takeaway. I I've heard just the dialogue throw, is difficult. Yeah, Shakespeare dialogue. 
Now we were kind of we kind of made jokes about it, but like literally all Shakespeare dialogue is like pondering yeah. someone pondering to themselves yeah, or soliloquies yeah. and whatnot and yeah. it's like like kind of vague yeah. abstract speech and like using words that you know normal modern people don't really talk that way yeah, yeah. and and you know it's like uh it's also, but the thing was, is that like me and when we were watching this, we like when we first started it, we had to pause a couple times and kind of like break, like kind of like mm-hmm. I, I said, we had to kind of like decode it yeah. and like kind of understand, rewind the it, voice. listen, yeah. yeah, understand the voice, what he's saying. And then we looked, I looked up a uh, context mm-hmm. for Macbeth so I can mm-hmm. understand this, you know, how the, how the stage is set so I can mm-hmm. understand when things are are unfurling because it's 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 not it's not easy to understand it's definitely it's definitely active listening this is Mm -hmm. a movie you gotta pay attention (laughs) like i checked my phone maybe once or twice and it's because i'm just like i don't want to miss I don't want to miss because then I, I, you know, I won't kind of understand it. You look at your phone once and next thing you know, you're 30 minutes behind. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, um, you know, I used to read a lot of Shakespeare for my, you know, when I was completing my literature major, you know, I mean, not a whole lot. I like, I, but you know, of course you, you know, doing the major I did, it, it crossed my path several times and that's shit used to take me forever like i would have to reread and reread to understand things like if i was just trying to read quickly and skim like like i would not really understand what what i was reading you know so like going like taking five pages like five pages of like modern literature you know is maybe like 10 15 minutes five pages of shakespeare's that fucking damn near hour because like i'm trying to take my time and reread and like understand have to look up words yeah and um yeah you know and but like but after a while like after we we stopped pausing we just kind of let it run there was a couple moments i feel like we had a pause where like later on where there was like a particularly challenging phrase and you just want to understand it so that you can get, you know, you can understand, you know, the voice, yeah. Shakespeare's, you know. Yeah. And it's, you know, like anytime like I watch like, you know, something that's like a Shakespeare um, inspired, you know, movie, you know, where mm. the and they use the actual text. You really realize how like beautiful and flowery the language can yeah. be, you know, like. You know, like, oh, oh, marvelous globes of sunder, <laughs> you know. Well, you know, what was it early line we were laughing at is, I don't remember it exactly, but it was unsex me, demons. Yeah, it was <laughs> unsex uh, me, Lady vile Macbeth, demons. Lady Macbeth is, like, cursing, like, the gods and, like, she's just, like, kind of, like, you know, talking about how she wants to murder Duncan, and you know, she yeah, she says, "Unsex me, demons." Mm, and yeah, yeah we were, that was that was great. I mean, like just from Macbeth alone, there's a lot of like iconic lines that probably people would recognize, like uh, "the milk of human kindness" uh, originates from Macbeth, or um, uh, "the sound in the fury." You know, also is is it originates from Macbeth? Um, you know, so. Uh, what was what was that other one too? Um, that I was reading afterwards. Oh, foul is fair and fair is foul. Like whatever the fuck that means. But yeah, <laughs> you know, there's just a lot of like you know iconic lines in this one. Or like I like you know I, I like the one with the uh, with the witches with the double double toil trouble. 
fire burning cauldron's bubble. Like, it's just fun yeah. to say. And, you know, like Shakespeare wrote with this rhythm that it was called iambic pentameter, which was like a metered rhyme, rhyming rhythm structure in how, you know, the, the prose was structured. Right. Which kind of gives like this speaking and, like this rhythm to it. And, you know, it's interesting. We don't really have to talk about the plot in this review because, you know, it's like such an iconic story. Yeah. And, but like the the thing is, that's crazy about Shakespeare. That still like baffles me when like like I was talking telling you before I had just recently watched the uh, Romeo and Juliet mm-hmm. uh, interpretation where they do like a kind of a modern ish interpretation, but using the same language in yeah. L.A. Mm-hmm. And you know, and it's and it's weird because it's like that's the one Romeo plus Romeo Juliet. plus Juliet, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, like when you like like the storytelling is like even the cra- the crazy thing is is how this like especially this story like kind of holds up the test of time mm-hmm. like you know it's like a classic story it's like pa- like absolute power corrupts absolutely you do, know and do, like, should we give a little bit of context I mean we looked up a little sure bit. yeah the so, brief rundown is Macbeth and his buddy Banquo are out fighting wars and kicking ass for the King Duncan. Yeah. They come back and on their way back in Scotland. Yeah, in Scotland. And on their way back there, you know, they come across uh three witches, three soothsayers who basically tell Macbeth, you're gonna be the king, but then turn to Banquo. They they give him prophecy. Oh, Macbeth, you're gonna be the king. And uh Banquo, your sons, your your descendants will be kings, you know. Right. So there's like it's like a two part prophecy, and then Macbeth returns to the king, um, and then he you know he he lets his wife know, Lady Macbeth know, who you know convinces him, oh you know do the deed, you know so to speak, and then he kills the king, and then he goes mad, and then revenge is had by you know all involved, and um, yeah, murder ensues, and it's a, it's 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 a uh, you know, it's always interesting in Shakespeare and Shakespeare's stories is I love how like everybody just kind of goes mad and dies. Like, yeah, yeah, is some <laughs> at least in the tragedies, you succumbing know. to madness. And yeah, you know, like the one thing I was like, I was you know talking to you about after this is that this movie is like very much like an A twenty four horror. Like the way they sh- it's shot this style. is like shot very much like an A twenty four horror movie yeah. or like uh you know, and also uh just to like kinda also describe some of the movie making process. This uh movie was shot in a four three aspect ratio, so it means that you have um there's like black borders on each side, which tightened a lot of the shots and centers your focus. And one thing I notice a lot in um, watching this movie is that about how everything is like centered and like very like uh, like aligned, almost in a way like you know like we were talking about earlier, uh, Wes Anderson kind of and how he does things like very like things are like very meticulous sets are very meticulously built and th- shots are all centered and f- you know like extreme close-ups of characters faces which you know like really just kind of drove the performances of these you know of this you know beautifully written you know 
play, right? It's a, it's a play. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, like, all of Shakespeare's work was written, like, in metered poetry form, like, metered prose. But I a lot of it was made to be performed on stage, too. So, right. So, you know, and... Um, I, and it's shot in black and white. And, oh yeah, this is our second one in a row we've watched in black and white. Right. But and, Belfast was also in black and white, and also took place in the British Isles. So, so and you know, one thing is, and Apparently I know they don't have color in the British Isles. <clears throat> yeah, they don't. They, it wasn't invented yet. <laughs> <laughs> it hasn't been invented yet. They're just running around going, "Oh, I'm wrong." You know, I actually like this film. You got a license for your telly? <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I will say I actually like this this uh, film's use of black and white more than Belfast. I think it made a bit more like well, what, I, it just what added I, to the mood a What bit I was going to say is that, you know, a trope that I've noticed me and you both enjoy a lot <laughs> is like a very like gothic. Yeah. A gothic type um setting, you know. Yeah. Like, you know, something and in in I, settings I, I, that like you wouldn't even like really expect in like a Shakespearean play or for example, like the lighthouse. The lighthouse mm. is very gothic, yeah. and you know, very. But it's like it's it's not like you know something you would expect, like some large castle or manor. Mm-hmm. That one is like literally just like two, you know, seamen on and at a lighthouse, you know, and it's like it's dark and yeah. gothic, and in yeah. in its darkness, it's beautiful, I, and it's. Very- I know me and you have talked about this before, but I don't know if we mentioned on the podcast a big theme in a lot of gothic stories too is like madness and the descent into madness which definitely happens in the lighthouse and definitely happens here in the tragedy yeah of you know and also probably one of my favorite movies of all time the shining yeah is like one of the you know the best examples of like the descent into madness mm-hmm. story or, or we were i know we've talked about this before i don't know if we've done a hitchcock review i don't think we have but when we watch like you know a uh, vertigo you know that's one right. also like a gothic film and much of Hitchcock's films is like this descent into madness and also like right. obsession to like, um, the lighthouse yeah. the guy's obsessed with the lighthouse here in Macbeth Macbeth's obviously obsessed with, with power yeah power and the crown and you know being the king and whatnot you know so obsession and obsession leading to madness right. are big themes in a gothic story and- right and you know like just like a lot of the paranoia a lot of the you know the constant like is this power you know worth it if you know yeah there's always going to be someone someone you know plotting there's always marvelous plotting about (laughs) and you know I don't know. It's just, it's a very, uh, it's a very interesting story. And it's about like how even, you know, he thinks that like, oh, he's going to have this like clean, all, all he had to do is this one act of, you know, killing uh, King Duncan and, you know, will, uh, you know, be able to rule the kingdom and, you know, everything will be just dandy. But no, he knows because he remembers the second the part of the two-parted, prophecy. Yeah, yeah, the two-part prophecy. Where he's but, like, oh, but Banquo's sons will be the, are, but, are destined to become kings too, according to the prophecy. But see, even though he even succeeded in killing Banquo, the thing is, is that he leaves behind all these people who end up becoming the force that take him down. Yeah. You know, so, so like, much conniving in this story. Yeah. Too, and secrecy. And, and whole, it reminds me of another line too, that he says to Lady Macbeth or Lady Macbeth says to him, the false face hides 
what the false heart doth know you know as in like yeah that's you know a, the yeah. you put up a, uh yeah <laughs> there's a bank you put up the fake you know facade to hide one's true intentions you know and it I feels like, like I, every character in this story is kind of doing that to some extent i like i like the one line too where uh she's like oh make nice for our guests and he's like but i but up in my brain are scorpions or something like <laughs> my that. mind is full of scorpions, scorpions. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but kind of setting it in that, like, you know, which is something we've kind of become accustomed to in modern cinema, this like kind of, you know, kind of like cerebral horror, especially from like a 24, they mm. produced a lot of these types of films. Yeah, they love this so, kind of shit. So kind of, <clears throat> kind of phrasing this you know by put like putting it into context of like a shakespearean play amongst you know these films that we had talked about before it really like goes to show how influential this story is mm-hmm. you know it may just seem like some stuffy bullshit that you know you learn at a you know your liberal arts college zach <laughs> I, think I, I went to a research i know university. i know i know i'm, I'm <laughs> fucking with you but yeah you know what i mean it's like it might just seem like some flowery bullshit that you're like oh like what like what meaning does this have but when you see it like juxtaposed to others and it's kind of the way it's the way this is shot you can compare it to these films and it really like sticks out for how like kind of dark and brooding and you know moody this film is and it's it's definitely it's it's cool it's it's you know it's not it's not for the you know it's eerie it's cold and you know what's the feeling i kept that kept i kept feeling while watching this it feels like oddly lonely too like um yeah all the characters are alone for yeah the most part. and there's so many scenes where it's just either macbeth or lady macbeth or macduff or who be it kind of just walking down you know a, a, a dark hallway by themselves or or when he was up on the uh the top of the castle by himself, you know, or walking down a a lonely path by themselves or just one other character, you know? So like a lot of times, like, you know, it was not a crowded film, you know, it was, it was like had this sense of loneliness, you know? And I think like, that's kind of pervasive in a lot of Shakespearean, uh, um, plays and and stories where like you know we talked about the soliloquy but a lot of times like characters are left you know on their own to kind of you know ruminate and and ponder you know in in their monologues right. you know their their deepest thoughts you know and philosophize the- <laughs> about their condition yeah and- yeah, so like no. there's like there's sen- this sense of like loneliness about it too, True, and yeah. isolation almost. Yeah, you know, and especially within the story, you know, it's you know the old adage, it's lonely at the top, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it, I don't know, it's just it's like I said, when you put this up against movies of its similar ilk, you know, in modern day, you really see, like. You know, even in in con- the context of, you know, even though I know this was only done by Ethan Cohen or Joel Cohen, mm-hmm. um, like you put it into the context of their films, and you see like how much, sh- like Shakespeare has influenced even that. Yeah, and you know, like I, you know, it's, 
This movie is good, and I think what they do is with the you know the work and kind of elaborate on it and our you know the artistic style that Joel Cohen chose for this like I think it was really effective and it like the black and white really worked well you know with yeah. the clouds you know looming is there was a looming presence of evil that manifested yes. as power that you was felt through the kind of spooky filmmaking you know directing every scene with the witches like had me like totally engrossed in it you know like yeah. from the first encounter with them to when he kind of calls upon them when he's in the castle like you know kind of asking for you know a clarification of his fate and the prophecy you know and they come to him like every every scene with him or you know kind of how they the specter of the witches just kind of haunts kind of yeah. haunts him through the ravens you know yeah, yeah. chasing him through the castle that bring like a vision of you know the ghost the of crowns. Banquo yeah yeah and <clears throat> yeah it's just uh it, it was very interesting and you know like even though me and you have watched many an art film all right <laughs> we you know we're not you know i'm not trying to like you know like sound elitist or anything but like we've taken a chance on some artsy film that yeah. are a bit ponderous and um kind of like you're giving it a chance for trying to do something different but this yeah. film like um i think I think a lot of people are going to be off put by the Shakespearean language yeah. when they watch this. I think they'll be intimidated by it because even us ourselves, you know, uh, coastal elitist movie reviewers, <laughs> um, you know, we were like intimidated by it when we were first watching. Yeah, we're it's like, tough. oh, it's we're like, dialogue. we're like, oh my God, are we going to have to like, you even made a comment like, oh, this movie's going to be like three hours long with the <laughs> yeah, amount even we though pause. It's about an hour and a half. Um, yeah. You know, just over an hour and a half. I was like, it's going to take us yeah. three hours to get through but rewinding, I, but re listening. I, I, I think this movie and the story itself, how it's told through the cinematography, you know what's weird? Would you recommend? Hold on. We didn't do a recommend. Oh, yeah. Would you well, recommend? Yeah. Um, I would if you're willing to actively watch yeah if you're if you're just like thinking like oh well you know i'll do something else and then just, no this requires your full undivided attention yeah. and i think when you give it your attention you will be rewarded with a very you know a, a very interesting movie mm -hmm. and a very well-crafted movie definitely I, I would also agree and i would say recommend too especially i think if maybe you've never read shakespeare or maybe only read like you know romeo and juliet in high school or something or you know are interested in shakespeare for whatever reason i think that this is a you know rather than just diving right into fucking reading the tempest or some right. shit you know this is like a nice introduction to maybe shakespearean style language and you know his you know tragedies as they're referred and to. you know they use the setting by making everything seem like very ethereal you mm -hmm. know through oh, the yeah, dark yeah. the dark looming of evil the mist that, and the fog everywhere yeah should. that you know in a way is used where because this is a play it, they use that in a way where there would be like transitions and plays, you know, where they, you know, card out different scenes. They use this like ominous fog and, you know, uh, this like I'm saying this like ethereal 
presence that you mm-hmm. feel they use that as like kind of the method to transition from scene to scene and i thought that was really cool i thought yeah. that was like it was um interesting and different yeah you know a lot of times like i think th- plays and things that are meant for the stage can be difficult to translate into sure, film yeah. you know because like you know if something's particularly written for the stage there's just things that can be done with on stage that can't be done in film and and you know vice versa unless we're talking about birdman yeah, well yeah is that a play birdman? i mean it's a movie about a play yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's a movie but, about making a play you know um anyways uh, sorry all good um I, I do think I agree. Like, I do think that, like, it was, you know, brought into film form fairly well. And, um, you know, it it's not jarring or anything. It's not like, and they, you know, they, like, me and you have been subjected to having to sit down and watch a fucking recording of that fucking Hamilton play. Oh and that's God, not yeah, fun to no. watch in film form. I'm sure I've never seen it in person. I'm sure it's great. People rave. But, like, watching a play on the screen is not as engrossing as it is in person, you know? So I think there is, like, it does definitely take skill and finesse to, like, bring what I think is originally intended for the stage to the film and, like, have it not... And like, make it take cinematic. Of, not let make you it, take you out of the yeah, experience. And, and not make it, like, you know, not make it, like... Uh, adaptation where you create your own dialogue you stick to the it's almost like it's interesting like when we went into this i was thinking i'm like are they going to change the dialogue to make it modern for modern audiences and like immediately it's like no it's clearly going to be fucking shakespeare it's shakespeare (laughs) this dude's talking about whispering willows and you know like when when i when you go to watch a film that's like adapted off of shakespeare stuff like i'm like you know and you kind of go in blind i'm like thinking i'm like is this going to be like a modern retelling of of it you right. know or is it just gonna, you know is it just gonna be like loosely based but like its own story no this was like straight up like the fucking book like word for word from Shakespeare right. and I think it was done very well and I don't think I've I know I've seen not the Romeo and Juliet you're talking about I saw like an older version of it in high school when we when I read Romeo and Juliet in high school and it was fucking kind of lame you know mm, yeah, kind of boring know, so in terms of like anything i've seen that's like direct shakespeare from text to Making, film form yeah. i think this was probably the best one i've seen ever well that. yeah and you know the reason why i like the romeo plus juliet movie is because what the director does in that film is they add to the story by using their di- directorial skills mm-hmm. in this movie it's not resting. It's not like just being like, oh, we got, you know, this, we got, you know, thanks, <laughs> shouts out to Shakespeare for writing this. I don't have to write a script and we're all Gucci and we can just shoot a film and then <laughs> just we'll Just stand there and yeah. read the book in front of the yeah, camera. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Recite lines, like memorize but, lines and whatnot. But, and, you know, in a way, this movie, it like shows like a really like beautiful collaboration between art that's like hundreds of years old and a a director that i personally love and it's uh turned out to be really good yeah you know and then it was surprising and you know and i think that you know we don't have to go back over the themes but i think the themes are very you know still very prescient and still very you know um 
you know Shakespeare was he 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 was a he was a banger machine you know like oh, all dude. Of banger after banger yeah. dude <laughs> like, yeah you know there's even been some debate among like literary scholars I remember hearing this in class one time that like even people have debated that it might not have even just been one guy that Shakespeare might have been multiple people all working under the same pen name I don't necessarily think that's true but they're like, working for the they're, one world well, government ladies and gentlemen how did this guy he never missed it was just hit after hit with this guy and like very prolific too i mean you have here macbeth to hamlet to romeo and juliet you know your famous ones and there's you know to some of the lesser known ones but ones that i remember reading that i liked a lot like king lear or twelfth night um, the merchant the of venice Tempest, the merchant of venice julius caesar you know so like he and like all of them are either like tragedies like this um, and a tragedy of errors or they're like comedy and a comedy of errors, you know, right. so like he like, you know, and even like with this film, like I found myself like laughing at lines and then I was thinking, I was like, am I laughing at that? Cause it sounds funny. In or that am I laughing? Cause it's like legitimate. Yeah. It's like yeah, legitimately no, no, funny. For real, and I think like, it's yeah. like, yeah, it's weird how he like both is like, has this like very verbose yeah <laughs> verbose is under is understating it but like verbose you know nebulous form of speech but like also it's like weirdly funny and like encaps encapsulating encapsulating at the same time it's whimsical whimsical <laughs> you know there's something else i thought of when you're bringing up uh in a comparison to how you're like i feel like the coen brothers are inspired by shakespeare in general and i was thinking about that i'm like yes because shakespeare like a, a phrase that's used to describe his work is like the tragedy of errors right and i feel like a lot of coen brother films yeah i mean just look, look, look at errors. look at like a um, bird like, after reading look at yeah but that of course but look at like fargo even fargo like, yeah, yeah, yeah fargo a is a movie where it should be very simple a man sets up his wife to be murdered mm -hmm. to collect insurance money and then, like, every, at the end, everybody gets their comeuppance, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, literally, like, it's, yeah, every, you know, uh, one of the hitmen dies, you know, William H. Macy goes to jail, and it's like, yeah, it's, it, it was solved by a pregnant sheriff, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know? and uh, it, it's just, I, they're, the thing is with the Coen brothers, I feel like in recent years, they've been very hit or miss. Mm -hmm. Um, what was the recent one they did? They did. Uh, I can just like think of my favorite. They did the B Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Oh, they yeah. did. Um, oh, there was this one like Hollywood one. It was called like Hail Caesar. That it, one I didn't see. I saw the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, which wasn't bad, but not my favorite. Yeah, I think the last like really great movie that they made was uh, True Grit. I think mm -hmm. that was like probably the last really great one until now i think mm -hmm. that i think i know even though i know this is joel cohen but it's hard to separate which part is which brother it's yeah. not like they take credit for specific parts ethan was just taking a break yeah dude yeah ethan's a slouch dude <laughs> <laughs> he's like nah i'm gonna go work with shakespeare fuck you bro <laughs> but um and anyway the point i'm making is i think that the the way that this was stylized the way that this was shot the it was very beautiful and striking but mm -hmm. very dark and morose and mm -hmm. i just think that this movie fucking rocks
And I think that it was it surprised me how much I, I, I did like it because I was already coming in with some stank face like, oh, shit, here's some yeah. Shakespeare shit, you know. <laughs> oh, God, I can't just like enjoy this movie. I have to like actively listen and and, and, <laughs> and transcribe <laughs> it's like homework. <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm doing my fucking homework. Which, you know, like, look, let's be honest, like, that's going to be the mindset of a lot of the average movie watching audience. Yeah, I mean, I've, in all honesty, I've never read Shakespeare outside of an as Same. as academics yeah. for my studies, what am I, you know? a nerd? Yeah, like pick up Shakespeare like for pleasure. Like I'm just gonna sit here, yeah, in dude. the middle of the day. What kind of dildo are you? That's like you know, just sits. I sit under a nice cool tree and I read some enriching <laughs> Shakespeare by candlelight. Yeah, <laughs> some shit like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, no, that's just some made up person. Here, I will ask you: Does this? film did this film spark any interest in maybe returning to shakespeare just for pleasure reading no no i think this i think this movie will definitely this movie will definitely make me more interested if there are more like kind of stylized um interpretations of it Mm -hmm. where like like this Oh, but you don't want to go like check out Julius Caesar from the uh, library. No, dude. Like, <laughs> no. I like I because I I because reading it, I'm just gonna be like rereading the same lines over and over, and I'm gonna have to picture the setting. Yeah. You know, and it'll and I feel like it'll be more work. What to about ju- the theater of the mind, though? Bosco? Oh, oh, that's a bunch of baloney. <laughs> that's a bunch of horse horse cock. <laughs> um, but yeah. So, I, I mean, I'll, I'll hold true. I mean, like, yeah, I'm not going to go fucking check out a Shakespeare book anytime soon because, like I said, I, it just reminds me of being in fucking school. Um, but oh, wait, 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 wait. I will tell you one thing I huh? did like. In the in the big early um, parts of the pandemic, one of my uh, favorite ongoing bits was uh, Sir Patrick Stewart. Uh-huh would read uh uh he was re- every day would read and perform a, a sonnet out of uh Shakespeare's. oh yeah from his sonnets yeah i had to I- fucking memorize one of those in a fucking university level class i had to i did sonnet 29 and trouble heaven with my bootless cries yeah but but um you know sir patrick stewart is just you know he's a man amongst men yeah i mean his voice is cool the sonnets themselves are are pretty cool too and they're easy you know because it's just like 14 lines i believe the sonnet i'll read a sonnet 14 lines (laughs) (laughs) one sonnet i'll read one i'll read one (laughs) they're just like you know like 14 line poems that were basically he you know a lot of them seem to be like you know love letters a lot of times or talking about you know of course dude he was an artist who was horny (laughs) oh you know there's always also been the theme you know or the or the theory you know i said how people thought he might have been you know more than one guy there's also a theory that he was like a raging homo too so yeah. <laughs> you know i also thought that there was some a of the sonnets, that, that some of the sonnets bu- you read them and it's like okay this is directed at a guy this definitely seems like a love letter you know directed at a man so i wouldn't be surprised if he was like bi wow or zach wait, wait he was a bisexual uh, king shakespeare uh, okay. yeah that's right no bi erasure for shakespeare right? him and abraham lincoln those are our bi kings yeah. <laughs> um but yeah so um you know definitely an interesting watch you can not- always go to spark notes and look at the no fear shakespeare honestly i would straight the i would I, I would honestly recommend you 
read the context of mm-hmm. of ha- of Hamlet of um, what's it called Macbeth, and th- I think you you'll be surprised by because at certain points even I was surprised where I was like oh like I understand what's going on now like mm-hmm. I understand this like and then when you understand it then you're able to enjoy the language and yeah. you and you, the um the emotion that comes across the beautifully crafted you know he's like a wordsmith you know like mm-hmm. and then you really get to enjoy it as a whole you're visually you're audio you know audially I don't know what the word would be for auditorily that. auditorily just just stimulated mm-hmm. out the gills it dude. is pleasing it's pleasing mm-hmm. it's a nice delightful meal this movie is I, I one thing I will say is you know I'm considering it and not like I said I'm not gonna go check out any Shakespeare books but like it does kind of re-spark an interest like I mean like I think about my time in, in university and I was like you know I would when I was reading Shakespeare there was certain ones in particular Julius Caesar that I was always interested in that I never got around to reading Julius Caesar is also very similar to the, a lot of Shakespeare have has like a prophecy like a soothsayer tells usually a king you're gonna die buddy or or you know gives him a prophecy <laughs> hey and bud then, you're dead <laughs> the knowledge of that prophecy though is kind of like what drives the poisons the yeah, mind yeah, poisons the mind and drives the person to madness in particular like you know Julius Caesar's famous one is there's like a court jester that keeps going up to me and be like, the eye, beware, beware, the well, eyes of well, March. Well, you, you know, know, there's the part with uh, Buquo was his name? Banquo, yeah. Banquo. Oh, these fucking names. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and, uh, Banquo. and his son, Fleance, who would, I guess, it's implied at the end, right, that he's going to become the king. Because right. Ross goes and finds him after he saved him from being murdered and hid him with that right. old man. So, but, and, but, then they, and then they ride off and then all the cr- ravens come back out to, you know, fade well, to black. So there was a point where uh, Banquo... Like, Banquo's son, who's still alive and prophesies to be the king. There's a part where Banquo... Um, he kind of foresees his own death and he goes like, you know, in layman speak, he goes how, you know, the same thing that, uh, the fruit, the, the poisonous tree that tempted Macbeth, uh, will the same fate become of me? Mm-hmm. You know, the soothsayer yeah. did, did, you know, foretold that my, you know, my lineage wouldn't, you know, become King, whatever would be. Yeah. And, um, I don't know. It's just, it's, uh, it's very interesting. It's just, it's, you know, and like I said, in the context of the way it was directed, it really was, um, easy, easy to get the point across, honestly. Mm -hmm. And even using Shakespeare's flowery BS, bi coastal elitist (laughs) language. (laughs) (laughs) By coast, if by by coastal you mean Myrtle's Borough, United Kingdom. Yeah, that's that's what I meant. Look, they can be co- the elitists out there. They can be coastal <laughs> out there too. Okay. All right. Well, let's. Well, uh, let ra- me ask you real quick before right. we go to the final thoughts. What was your favorite scene? Um, I like the scene where, um. I like it where uh, I like the end scene a lot. I just like the ending sequence yeah. of where he faces the first guy and then he's like Macduff. It's like because it's almost like no, 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 not Macduff, the mm. the un- nameless guy. Oh yeah. 
and he kind of like he kind of you like first off we didn't really talk about the performances but goddamn Denzel Washington and Francis McDormand killed it oh, they yeah, were they were great, awesome yeah. they were like so good mm-hmm. and and Denzel like he has this like he has this like simmering fury that just is just magnificent to see why do you honest. think they chose him I know this is gonna sound like a weird question but like does it does it feel I mean I didn't think so but does it feel strange that he's like like there's a black people in in you know what is essentially no, like honestly honestly I didn't even I didn't even think about yeah, that I, I mean I, I, did, didn't, I didn't even until just now when you know yeah I I didn't even and I think bring it I, up and I, I'm like yeah you know it doesn't it's not really important to the story or anything but I just thought maybe that was an interesting casting choice I, I, yeah no you know? I, I think it was a, a great casting choice honestly because Denzel is able to like you know even like going back to like one of my favorite movies with him in it uh training day mm-hmm. and you can see like these moments where he kind of gives these monologues and he's just very captivating mm-hmm. and i feel like to play the character of Macbeth, you have to be captivating yeah you know oh yeah and um i think he was awesome so all right let's go into uh, the final I- Oh, sorry, sorry. I was just going to say, my favorite scene is... Oh, yeah, sorry. I was so rude. Oh, wait, wait. Oh, <laughs> Thanks wait. for asking, Bosco. Jesus. Yeah, I know. Well, you know, I was going to say my, my actual favorite scene, though, was um, the part where he kind of sees... Where they're having, like, a banquet, mm-hmm. and he sees, like, the crow, which is, like, you know, the sign of impending doom. That's, and like, the, the form that the witches take, right. I think, a lot of times. They're magic. So... Um, transfiguration. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, they, uh, he, like, he's like, oh, who is plotting my demise? Mm. This is what he's thinking. And he goes chasing after it, and then, you know. Thinking it's Banquo's, like, phantom. Right. And, and what ends up happening is, you know, it's an illusion, and people kind of see that, like, oh, he's gone quite mad. He's coming undone <laughs> at the seams. Yeah, and it was that scene was done just very, very well, and I think it was beautifully done. Yeah, right. I agree. I think that was a pretty What's, cool scene, too. What was your favorite scene, Zach? Um, okay, it's between two. Uh, the first one that comes to mind is, of course, when he calls upon the witches again for clarification of the prophecy, knowing that Fleance is still alive, and they, like, fill the room room with the water and then do the toil toil double double toil trouble fire burn cauldron bubbles and then they like start draw you know then they kind of do this like little thing where they're like like i thought they were about to like summon satan or something um because there's like weirdly it feels like satan is like behind all of it to me i don't know why i I just kept getting this feeling like i'm like beelzebub is behind all this and like the the witches are his minions you you know and like in a way you could kind of like just like see it as like kind of like a you know, like an appeal to like, you know, the religious society that maybe he lived in. Mm. But in this movie, you felt like Satan as like a stark, sinister force, which was cool, which is cool. And it added more life to the story. It's never explicitly stated, although one character does mention Beelzebub. But um, uh, so like they like pull, they like start the witch like pulls out like a baby's finger and drops it in and then drops in like other things like you know livers and and lips of of turks and whatnot and then and then that calls forth from the from the cauldron the water watery cauldron the face of fleance with the crown on who then kind of clarifies the fate 
for Macbeth, essentially telling him that you're going to die of a man not born of a woman or no man born of a woman, which I didn't quite understand until my second favorite scene, which I would say is the ending confrontation between Macbeth and Macduff, where Macbeth keeps telling him, oh, the prophecy has told me I won't die of a, of no man born of a woman and then Macduff responds by saying I wasn't born of a woman I was ripped from my mother's womb or something which I mm. guess is him saying oh like I'm here to tell you know the prophecy is true and that yeah I'm not born of a woman I don't know that line doesn't quite make sense to me true yeah. um but yeah, he kind of rebuts it by yeah, saying, I was ripped from her womb. You could have used an editor to like, Shakespeare, right? <laughs> I was ripped from her womb as in his mom had a, C- a medieval C-section yeah, or something. And, it just didn't and, go and then, you know, his crown falls off in that moment. And then he goes to go pick it up. And that's when he's, as he's going to go put it back on his head, his head gets cut off by Macduff. Well, you, well you know, in a flies way. Flies over the castle walls. In a way, too. you can say it was his own pride that killed him. <laughs> <laughs> his own pride and greed for the crown yeah heavy as the head i guess yeah um so those were two cool scenes that i think stick out to me the most um you know and i, I like how the very the last scene is is the guy returning to fleance who was the face in the water that's that clarified the prophecy to Macbeth, you know yeah. and so- the ending ends with the thane of ross riding with with fleance and then the the ravens come out to give the fate to black even though that other guy king duncan's son is at the end being like oh i'm the king of scotland haha but like i think you know it's obviously set up that like something's gonna happen to that guy who knows what and it's fleance who will take the crown and therefore and then thus his descendants will be the kings of scotland the future kings of scotland i guess so yeah um, yeah dope so all right final thoughts i'll go first So, I like this. I think the cinematography was great. I think um, Shakespeare, he did a a decent job writing this, um, (laughs) um, you know, young up-and-comer. Yeah, he wrote it just for you. Yeah. He was like, I hope Bosco likes this. Yeah, (laughs) and, uh, you know, I think uh, the way Joel Cohen was able to transform the source material was really something hard, and something hard to do for the average movie-consuming audience. And I think that this movie probably will go on um, unwatched because the people will be like, ugh, Shakespeare, like, I kind of had... I mean, this exact- thing's nominated for Best Picture. We didn't sure, even say but, that. So I mean, people watch those films automatically. But sure, but there are, there are Oscar films. But, okay, but here's a good example. There are Oscar films, even though still go under the radar, like one I mentioned to you the other day, like Whiplash. Yeah. Whiplash was one that was nominated for all these different awards when it came out. I was like, a movie about drumming? Pass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I watched it later, and I love it. I think it's an amazing film. Oh, we'll do that one sometime in the future. So, you know, I think even though, yes, the prestige of the Oscar brings a lot of attention, I still think that, you know, people will go like, well, I'll check this one out because this person, this one has this person in it. Oh, this one has Bradley Cooper in it, Um, you know, or whatever. Was this one nominated or? or Yeah, no, this this one was. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
So, um, my personal opinion, I think this movie is pretty good. I'd give it like a three and a half out of four. Uh, I guess like an eight and a half out of ten. I think this movie is pretty pretty damn good. I think it's I think it's uh, when you sit and give it the attention it deserves, it really s- speaks volumes of the uh, I don't know the immense uh, inspiration that. Shakespeare's work has brought to a lot of art. Right on. Um, I agree with with a lot of that. Um, I definitely, yeah. I will say, like this, the film will demand your attention. Um, the dialogue is difficult, and that is going to be something I think like all um, viewers will have to kind of grapple with, you know. But you, you get used to it. You kind of, you know, within within thirty minutes, you should get in the flow. Of it to some degree, you know. And- but if not, don't feel stupid, you know, it, it, because like I, I just I want to always, I want people to believe that they can handle watching something that's maybe a little bit of a tu- a tougher watch. Yeah, you know, yeah, if, no, it's not impossible or anything. It's not like they're speaking a different language. No, you know, even um, though it sounds like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Um, um, so I. Like I said earlier, too, I think, like, out of any Shakespeare adaptation I might have seen before, I think this one's probably my favorite. Um, I can't think of too many that I've watched, because Shakespeare movies aren't actually done too often. You know, retellings and, like, you know, loose adaptations are done, but, like, direct Shakespeare to film isn't done very often yeah and, and what I it think, is is it, a lot of times pretty kind of lame you know yeah. or boring or whatever um but this one is done in a very engaging and haunting way that's um you know it, at the, the end product is is definitely spooky and uh, and eerie and unsettling and in, in, in all the right ways and you know i think a lot of people you know kind of I mean, it's been a few years now, but, like, coming off stuff like Game of Thrones or Lord of the Rings, which I think, you know, borrows a lot from Shakespeare, you know. And, you know, those things are popular, you know, in, in you know, due to good reason, you know, a lot of those are, you know, pretty cool. But, um, you know, I think maybe people that like those might, you know, enjoy something like this is kind of like, you know, the, the forebears of stories like that. You know, even though this one... Is not super. This movie's like eating your vegetables. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah but I, I, I think like you know the this like. But they're like sautéed and they're pretty good. You know, it's <laughs> it's not like high fantasy or anything. It's just like you know this medieval setting where, you know, like you know dealing with like you know royal kings and whatnot. Which... The nature of feudalism. <laughs> yeah, and it is. It is like yeah. I mean, takes place in, like, feudalist medieval England. So I think, you know, coming off of, you know, if, if you're somebody who's, who's you know, craving, you know, whatever, more Game of Thrones or Lord of the Rings or something like that, you know, this might, you know, help scratch that itch and then maybe, you know, introduce you or reintroduce you if you're, you know, had read it prior in school to Shakespeare and, like, kind of remind you that, yeah, this, he was a motherfucker. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he wrote bangers. Yeah. And, and that, like, these stories, like you said earlier, do stand the test of time and, like, you know, are, like, relatable, even though, you know, it's from so long ago. They are, like, kind of relatable and, like, you know, and, and engrossing, you know, in a way that's, like, like I said, like, very, uh, 
very haunting, you know, how Look, you know. all this stuff was made before TV, <laughs> so he had to make it somewhat interesting, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I the black and white, um. The, the fact that it was in black and white I thought was pretty cool and added a lot to it like I said earlier um overall like I don't have I don't have too much to say here in my, in my final thoughts that I haven't already said so I'll just go ahead and say I would agree with a three and a half um on the out of ten scale I'd give it yeah, at least a seven and a half um I don't know if it's one I will return to anytime soon but like Maybe because you know my mom likes shit like this. Maybe in maybe in I could sit down and watch this. Oh, another bicostal latest. Okay. <laughs> um, what? I'm what just, I'm just, I'm just because uh, we were making that joke earlier. Oh yeah. But um, <laughs> bicostal. <laughs> um, but you know my mom likes stuff like this. Like I was saying. Um, so I, I mean maybe you know in, in a week weeks time if my mom wants to watch this like in a couple of weeks I, I wouldn't mind a, a sitting down and watching it a second time maybe to understand it a little better which you know this movie just due to the heaviness of the dialogue and how much uh focus it, it demands like you know it, it might can be daunting yeah i mean not just daunting but it might require a little bit of a rewatch to to gleam and and, and maybe get a more full understanding of of you know the the intricacies of it and and the characters and the relationships but you know i don't have too much else to say on that end but i yeah i would leave it three and a half um or like a good seven five eight um but uh yeah i think i think it it does well to to put all the best traits of Shakespeare on display in film form. The tragedy of errors, the descent into madness, the hauntingness, uh, the, um, the, the eeriness of it and, and the loneliness and the soliloquies are done well too. They're not drawn out. They're not like, you know, weird lofty soliloquies, like you're reading paradise lost or something. They're, they're done in a way that's like, you, you can see, you can see the thought process of of Macbeth playing out, and it's done in a way that's, it's rewarding when you understand. Didn't didn't you, didn't you feel this a little bit when you kind of grasp what's happening? It, it is rewarding. Yeah, a that's what bit. I said. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, totally. Yeah, I, I I think this was this was interesting. You know, to watch. I haven't seen sure, a, I yeah. haven't seen a movie like this in a long time. So this was interesting to watch. Um, it's it's something that, it's like a something that's made for the stage done right on film yeah. so it, it was interesting the in that less, regard and, and we don't get a lot of films like this too often and so ultimately the moral of the story was hail satan is is that what you think yeah. <laughs> sure right. hail satan because the right. witches win in the end i guess because yeah. their prophecy is fulfilled and <clears throat> evil uh, wins yeah <laughs> their prophecy is fulfilled and everybody has died and uh the end uh, super happy ending. yeah <laughs> <clears throat> all right well that's gonna do it for us this week um hail satan and uh Thanks for listening. Are we going to plug our, um, yeah. our, our uh, email? Email us at bashbrotherspod at protonmail.com. Let Again. us uh, know any other movies that maybe anybody would like to hear reviewed, and we'll do the heavy lifting for you and tell you whether or not it's worth your time or if you would, you know, or if it's right for you. Um, so we're still right now, we're still working on these uh 
what do you call them? Recent 2021 films, best yeah. of. But Bosco gonna, wanted to do a worst of. I don't know what would be on the worst. I I think, I think I think I think I think it would be kind of fun if we if we just watched like what was like the most unanimously hated movie most of last year, <laughs> and we could just you know. We could it's add to something the pe- animated, probably. <laughs> no, that's just your bias. All right? My bias? No, the animation is like because they're just no, about- no, 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 no. I wouldn't watch just like a garbage animated movie. No, I want to watch some real trash. If you got any real trash, send that over to Bash Brothers Podcast. No, Bash Brothers Pod at protonmail.com or you can tweet at us or follow us whatever on twitter at znb present the bash bros pod at at znb the bash bros um so we'd appreciate anything any um suggestions or comments or feedback yeah uh or anything of the sort or you can just not say anything as what's what's been yeah, happening or ignore us <laughs> and you know make us I'm used to that though. reconsider everything that we're doing but the you loneliness know, of Macbeth, i feel loneliness. in this every podcast recording i feel like we're all we're me and bosco give our our, our heart filled soul filled soliloquies every podcast that's and why, it falls on deaf ears see that's why <laughs> we need to work with Satan alright oh, like yeah, that, Macbeth that's the, that's, that's the we'll mo- call upon Satan to make our podcast popular alright so there you go that will do us for this week thank you for listening get like three more listeners <laughs> <laughs>